Let us pray. O Lord, as we approach your word today, we listen for your voice and your words of love. In the name of Christ, amen. The Old Testament reading today is from Genesis, chapter 9, verses 8 through 17. God said to Noah and to his sons with him, I am now setting up my covenant with you, with your descendants, and with every living being with you, with the birds, with the large animals, and with all the animals of the earth, leaving the ark with you. I will set up my covenant with you so that never again will all life be cut off by floodwaters. There will never again be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, this is the symbol of the covenant that I am drawing up between me and you and every living thing with you on behalf of every future generation. I have placed my bow in the clouds. It will be the symbol of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow appears in the clouds, I will remember the covenant between me and you and every living being among all the creatures. Floodwaters will never again destroy all creatures. The bow will be in the clouds, and upon seeing it, I will remember the enduring covenant between God and every living being of all the earth's creatures. God said to Noah, This is the symbol of the covenant that I have set up between me and all creatures on earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 1, verse 9 through 15. About that time, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee, and John baptized him in the Jordan River. While he was coming up out of the water, Jesus saw heaven splitting open and the Spirit like a dove coming down on him. And there was a voice from heaven, You are my Son, whom I dearly love. In you I find happiness. At once the Spirit forced Jesus out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by Satan. He was among the wild animals, and the angels took care of him. After John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee announcing God's good news, saying, Now is the time. Here comes God's kingdom. Change your hearts and lives and trust this good news. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm not sure why, but the news that bobcats have returned to northeastern Ohio brought such hope and happiness to me this week. We frequently hike in the wooded Summit County metro parks close to where I grew up, so I was delighted to see in the paper this the first photographic proof taken by a trail camera at Furnace Run Metro Park of a beautiful wild bobcat. Bobcats are territorial, somewhat solitary, and harmless to humans. And the renewed presence of these wild animals means the environment is thriving more 
thanks to conservation work by the Park District and the City of Akron helping to conserve the land. You might remember something about land and animals in the Bible at the very beginning because it starts with the story of creation, including the divine blessing of animals as God creates swarms of living creatures and birds and sea monsters, including bobcats. Like a repeated refrain, God creates and then calls each part of creation good. And then in our Old Testament text today from Genesis 9, God restores the earth after the 40-day flood by making covenant with every living creature, including the birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of the earth. And as a sign of this covenant with Noah, his descendants, and every living thing, God puts a rainbow in the sky in order to remember the covenant with creatures great and small. Commentator Sib Towner observes, God's promise touches the lives of the nuthatches and the hippopotami. They have a future too. It was not their sin that brought them ruin in the flood, but ours. So also their future will be deeply intertwined with ours. Every time we lose a species or endanger a habitat or strip the land, the diversity of God's creation is diminished. So many of you have mentioned to me that during this pandemic, animals, both domesticated and wild, have brought you joy. A cat purring contentedly on the windowsill, deer who visit your yard each evening, the sighting of a hawk or an eastern bluebird on your favorite tree. Our connection with wild things can ground us in the here and now and calm us in our frantic worrying. Poet Wendell Berry wrote these words. When despair for the world grows in me and I wake in the night at the least sound in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be, I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water and the great heron feeds. I come into the peace of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still water and I feel above me the day blind stars waiting with their light. For a time, I rest in the grace of the world and am free. I think again and again, God meets us at the edge of the water, at the edge of the wilderness, at the edge of something new, at the edge of faith. And the challenge is to stop long enough in those liminal spaces to notice God's presence and to allow ourselves to be tended. Where are the edges of your life right now? And how is God meeting you there? Today is the first Sunday in Lent, and it, it's a time when we talk about wilderness and water and baptism and spirit and temptation and wild beasts. Immediately after being 
called beloved at his baptism. Jesus is sent from the edge of the water into the wilderness by the Spirit. And apparently, he didn't seek a way out of it. He accepted the company God gave him in the desert. Interesting company indeed. Satan, ministering angels, and wild animals. Jesus is not alone in the desert. The scripture tells us he's being tended. And the word reminds us of shepherds looking after a flock or a parent nursing a child or a gardener turning soil or a spouse taking care of her beloved. In this story, the angels tend Jesus. The angels keep this 40-day vigil, but not just angels, wild beasts too. And I've always wondered about those wild animals. What's their place in the story? Why are they mentioned? Were they there to struggle with Jesus? To keep him company? To protect him? To make him stronger? To teach him? In Job 12, we, we hear these words. But ask the animals and they will teach you. The birds of the air, and they will tell you. Ask the plants of the earth, and they will teach you, and the fish of the sea will declare to you. Who among all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? In God's hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of every human being. A recent article in the Christian Century by Roger Owens titled, St. Jane explores the new National Geographic documentary called Jane Goodall, The Hope. Goodall's career has stretched from groundbreaking research with chimpanzees to becoming an environmental activist who engages politicians and oil companies and medical labs that perform research on chimps. The author observed while watching the documentary with his granddaughter, he said, there's an irony in watching the story of a scientist who lived so intimately with creatures of the forest during a global pandemic now that's likely catalyzed by the proximity of humans to animals in wildlife markets in China. As human society increasingly encroaches on what was once the wild but is now our backyard, will more viral transmission from the animal world to ours be likely to occur? What Goodall learned in the forest and continues to preach is the truth that there is no animal world in our world. There's only the world about which she speaks in religious terms. She says, being out in the forest, I had this great sense of spiritual awareness of some spiritual power. You cannot help but understand how everything is interconnected. Later, she adds, it was the kind of feeling I sometimes have in one of the old cathedrals where people have been to worship again and again and again. Whether we find ourselves in the forest or in an old cathedral or in our living rooms that have become sanctuaries, the truth that we are interconnected with all living beings has become even more apparent in a world in a year that feels like wilderness. 
As we enter our second pandemic Lent, we remember that God met Jesus at the edge of the water before he is tempted in the wilderness and called him beloved. And that God meets us in the liminal spaces, at the water's edge, at the threshold of something new, and names us beloved too. That God's covenant with all creation reminds us God meets us wherever we are in the midst of our reluctance and doubt and eagerness and loneliness and weariness, inviting us to trust, trust this good news. So how has God come to you again and again in your life? Because every one of us has been in a wilderness place. Maybe it looked like a hospital room to you or a circle of nameless faces at your first AA meeting or a courtroom when the divorce became final or a two-empty house or yet another day working or schooling from a computer screen. Maybe it was wilderness in your soul a longing to hear something from God and finding only the wild beast of your own anger or fear instead. Wilderness comes in so many forms that the only way you can really tell you are in one is to look around for what you normally use to save yourself and come up empty. No food, no earthly power, no booze, no easy comfort, no special protection. Just the faith, the faith that there are still angels out there tending you and your loved ones. God meets us at the edge of things in suffering and uncertainty and reluctance and promises to stay with us and to tend to what Mary Oliver calls our one wild and precious life. I ask you again, where are the edges in your life right now, and how is God meeting you there? When Jesus emerges from that wilderness and whatever struggles he found there, he proclaims the kingdom of God. He, he says, change your hearts and lives. He says, trust this good news. And that is the real gift of wilderness transformation. The only way around it is through it with God's help. Angels and wild animals and the gifts of gratitude and prayer and discernment. You will come out on the other side and have something to offer the world. Here's just a few examples of what I've seen in you. A member who gave her entire stimulus check to help someone in need. One widow seeking to comfort another in her loss. Cards sent to each other, rides given for vaccinations, meals delivered for people in grief. Openness to housing a refugee in our church. Respectful discourse, even when you disagree politically. Willingness to engage in uncomfortable discussions on race. Commitment to showing up for worship in this virtual space and your encouragement to all of us as worship leaders. Finding joy in the small and silly things. Showing up to be ordained in the snow or on screen. Letting God tend to your soul through daily prayer. 
and trusting in this good news. I've seen all of that in you. I may never see a bobcat on my Ohio forest hikes, but it delights me to know she is there. What could this creature teach me about solitude and beauty and the interconnectedness of land to food and water and justice? What do I still have to learn about God meeting me in the wilderness places? And God's hand is the life 